Hey homebodies, it's Robin and Molly and we're here to remind you that if you're looking to buy a home or refinance to be sure to check out our platinum sponsor Aaron Schmitz with Epic Mortgage. Aaron is licensed in Minnesota and Wisconsin and is a top lender in the area. You can find his information on our website homeiswherethemurderis.com in all our show notes and on all of our social media platforms. Again, if you're looking for the best in lending, check out Aaron Schmitz with Epic Mortgage. I'm Molly. And I'm Robin. And this is... Home is where the murder is. Because murders happen in homes. They do. Because people live in them. That's what happens. And people die in them. They do. (laughs) Hi. Happy Monday, everybody. It is a Monday. Yes. Well... Well, for us, it is not. Today is Sunday for us. But it's close. It's getting there. And it's been another fun weekend for us. Busy, busy, busy bees. Surprisingly, we were not together this weekend. Nope, nope, and we won't really be together next weekend either. Weird, huh? It is strange. I don't like it. Yep, yep. So what do you do all weekend? Oh, what did I do? I prepped for um, Fletcher's birthday party. Good. So, yeah, Fletcher's turning eight this week, so we had his friend birthday party this weekend. So we had that today. It's very hot outside. Let me tell you about the weather. <laughs> it's, it actually is. It's Weather Corner with Molly. Today was actually like the cooler day of the week. It's going to get to be about 100 this week. Yuck. And it this week, like earlier this week, it was like a high of like 68. I bought a, a sweater. I was ready for fall. That is my happy place. I am going to be so upset this week. I do <laughs> not like this hot like humid 100 degree weather and our public pool closed yesterday so i can't even go to the pool because apparently college kids have to go back to school that's just ridiculous and we have no one to run the pool so i don't understand i'm sure they had like maybe a handful of people that could still run it maybe they just close like the kiddie pool on the slide and they just keep like the main pool area open i don't know but no one asked me Uh, so, um, but yeah, so it's going to be super hot. I had to go out and water my garden this morning and I will be watering it every day because of how hot and sunny and awful it's going to be this week. And I'm ready for fall. I want to decorate for Halloween. I want the, I'm already drinking pumpkin spice. For Halloween already? Absolutely. I do. (laughs) I was at Marshall's yesterday. They have all their Halloween stuff out. And I went to Costco yesterday they have Christmas stuff out. Holy moly, I'm not ready for that. I looked at that, I'm like, it's not even, why do they even September. Like, my question is for all these stores, why do you even put it away ever? Just leave it out. I mean, well, especially like putting out, Costco putting out Christmas stuff. I'm like, what are you doing, Costco? Yeah. They didn't even, they just skipped Maybe they're just everything. anticipating that they're not going to have enough staff. So they're like, well, we'll put this shit out now. I mean, seriously. They're like, let's just get it out. The people will buy it. And they, you know what? They will. Oh, yeah. It's Costco. If you see something cute, you know you're going to go yeah, for exactly. it. I mean, you know that that's what happens. It's well, like people sell out. And yeah. I mean, things sell out. I mean, they, they just do. So I haven't even gotten school supplies yet for Logan. I just now got the list today. What? Well, because apparently I was supposed to download it and I didn't was waiting for it to be emailed to me. And then Logan's bonus mom was like, oh, I'll check my email, too. 
she also didn't have it. So then today I looked on the website and it says, click here to download the school supply oh, list. Yeah. And I'm like, but I looked at it and I'm like, wow, we have all of these things. Yeah. So I don't think it's going to be. See, and I probably could have gotten a lot of that. I mean, I probably could have shopped our stuff a lot too, but I can't find anything in Fletcher's room right now because it's a complete disaster. I am laughing because I hope to God in the background they can hear the footsteps upstairs. Yeah. When Molly just got done telling the kids we're going to record, no running around, and now they just hear some happy child running around upstairs. It's probably Keaton running 100%. inside to get something. Oh, it, just, it just cracks me up. We... But no, but it school supply stuff, it's like all sold out. That's at this what point. I heard. I heard, and I'm like, oh, well. Yeah. I guess I can't send him to school. Guess no. I guess he can't learn. You know what? He can learn about true crime and real estate yep. then. That's all that matters, right? That's all I've got to offer. Yeah, that's all you got. Bon Jovi lyrics. If there's, remember, if there's ever anyone hears of any trivia anywhere, please let Robin know. I'll do it. It's all that she's worked for her whole life, basically. Honestly, you'd be so impressed. Yeah. Every time I do a murder, I can relate one of the dates to something that's happened in Bon Jovi's career, which is so fucked up. Yeah. A little bit. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So that's what's going on, I guess. Yeah. Any Anything else new? No, I was sick all weekend. Yeah. So. Well, that's not Self-inflicted, fun. guys. I went on a pedal tavern. That'll do it. And if you don't know what a pedal tavern is, it's where you pedal a big mobile bar around town with your friends and your legs hurt and you drink and it's awful and. I can't so drink not it. only you were sore uh-huh. and hungover. Yeah, and the sad part is, is like I just cannot drink the way I used to after yeah. that one year of no drinking. And I, 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 I try not to get to a point where I get hungover, but I was so excited about this pedal tavern that I was like, you know what? Nope, I'm going to be hungover the next day. I'm going balls to the wall. I'm going to have a great time. Yeah, took me the entire day to recover. The entire day, complete wasted day. You know what? We're late thirties now. Yep. So I just figure, I'm like, that is just, that's just not, I can't do it. I tried, yeah. I can't do it anymore. And now I have to go to Vegas this weekend. And my friend was like, well, we're, you know, we're definitely going to go out and stuff. I'm like, I hope you understand that I cannot drink th- that way that you people can. Right. Not happening. You're I like, can't. I'll have like a couple drinks. Yeah, but, but I like... cannot. Like, I just, the way I felt after yeah. that pedal tavern, not happening again. So so that's so I completely wasted my, my my weekend being sick. So and doesn't that make you feel awful? I'm too? pissed about it. Yeah, like I there get was it. so much I wanted to do. Yep. And like poor Logan was like, "I'm sorry, you're sick and everything." And I was like, "It's my own fault. I did this yeah. to myself." But it happens. Yeah, we've all been there. So that's my lesson for the weekend: don't drink. So yeah. But well, I'm ready to learn about the murder if you are. All right. Well, I mean, you've already learned about it, but you know. I, I did. Mean. Okay. All right. So I got a case for you today. Um, no Wisconsin tie that I found. Okay. But it is Illinois. Uh, and we know how Robin feels about Illinois. I was just complaining again today about them because I was in the Dells. Yeah. We you know guys. how you feel. I thought after last week's episode, you would know how to drive through the Wisconsin Dells. Illinois, you're yeah. killing me. Sorry. All right. But uh, but actually, but we, I mean. It's funny. I said, Illinois, you're killing me. And you're doing a murder case from Illinois. Il- Il- Illinois. Yeah. Uh, I know. Right? Okay. <laughs> okay. So this one has been, there's a book about it. There are a few, um, there's the forensics files about mm-hmm. it. 
There is a show called Body in the Basement. The season one, episode one is about it, which is where I got the idea to do this case. There's some podcasts about it. So there is some information. There's other, you know, it's been a case that's been had had things done about it. Right. So this is the murder of Carla Brown. Okay. Okay. I don't know if I know it. I was kind of wondering if I've seen it, the Forensic Files. Because I watch Forensic Files to go to bed at night. Right. Okay. So, Carla Lou Brown was born on February 28, 1956, in Lima, Allen County, Ohio, to Floyd and Joe Ellen Brown. Carla had two older sisters who were quite a bit older than her, so they were out of the house. And it was just Carla and her mother most of the time because her father passed away when she was young due to injuries he obtained from a freak accident. Mm. Yeah, they got along for the most part, but they had their typical teenage mother drama, too. As most mothers oh, and daughters still do. Have it. Yes. Carla went to Roxana High School where she was a cheerleader. Oh, she okay. was very popular. Okay. She was very pretty. Oh Blonde hair, <gasps> blue eyes, 4'11, very petite. She was very popular. Like I said, um, she was um, just, she, she, Got along. She was very friendly. Like, she was just one of those girls that, you know, you looked at, you're like, there goes Carla. Like, you know, she was like one of those girls. I love that because that's totally not me, but I was a cheerleader. Right. You're like, I was a cheerleader. (laughs) I I was like, I have blonde hair, blue eyes, and a cheerleader, but... People did not look at me and go, oh, there goes Robin. Yeah. And they'd be like, what is that smell? Oh, oh. <laughs> I don't think I'm that. I'm kidding. Well, I think I'm kidding. I don't know. Aw. I love that you were like, you're like, oh. that's my best friend you're talking okay. about. No. But no, so Carla was very popular and she, she attracted a lot of guys' attention, especially for that time of, that time period, um, because she was very flirty too, and she I mean, if you she developed it, early, and oh, you know see. she just yeah she, you didn't develop I, early. I haven't developed at all. I'm she, still waiting someday. <laughs> so later she would attend Southern Illinois University in um, Edwardsville. She was also a waitress at IHOP. Ah, the so, international has pancake. Yes, very very fancy. Carla was always described as a free spirit with a strong personality who was warm and very friendly and gorgeous. Like I said, she was a small, petite girl, and she only weighed around 100 pounds, and she was 4'11", blonde hair, blue eyes. So she was she was someone that stood out. Um, she there there was when I was watching that one episode from Bodies and Body in the Basement, um, which you know I guess kind of a clue on what happens to her, <laughs> right? Um, you know, oop, I guess you guys can't guess, yeah, right? right? Um, but they show this photo of her on the beach in like a swimsuit. And I guess like this photo of her like was like out in like the community. So like she would get like calls from like males being oh like, oh, gosh. like, like you're so attractive. And like, so like she Yeek. was like, yeah, it was, but it was like the 70s. You know what I mean? Like, so. Yeah. So there was. That was just the time period. It was that creepers. time period, right. <laughs> creepers, guys, yeah. So, you know, it was just kind of that time period. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she met um, her boyfriend, Mark Fair, and they had been dating for years, and they decided to get married and decided to buy and move into a house together before they got married, which was kind of unheard of oh. for the time. So this house was located at um, 9, I think I have the, just let me just wait. 
Let me just wait. 979 East Acton Road in Wood River, Illinois. Okay. So that's where they bought their house. So they moved in on um, July. Wait, what's just, sorry. Yep, June. I know. I put my finger up. So they moved in on um, June 20th, 1978. Okay. So they had like a little party and everything when they moved in. Just like their friends, like, you know, housewarming, like first day moving in. Very nice. So Mark was in the service and he was working construction and he was a little apprehensive about settling down. And he was a little bit older than Carla too, but he fell for her because she just kind of had this way about her. And they decided that they would, you know, get a house first kind of before they got married. Kind of his way of like being like, okay, we'll we'll settle down together. Kind of like what we did, you know, right. You're like, um, we're going to buy a house together and you're not going anywhere. So they moved into this house, like I said, on June 20th. Carla was murdered on June 21st. Well, that's unfortunate. In that house. You know what's not funny but funny yes. is like i always tell people that buy actually we just talked about this on our last episode when you buy a house usually something happens within the first week yeah like an appliance goes yep. or you realize a defect mm-hmm. that was when missed you move or something. Yep. yeah this is not something that i have covered like yep. i haven't said oh and one of you might die right so that's another I'm gonna thing add that to so the list. like i said they had some friends over to kind of celebrate their new mm-hmm. home Then Carla decided to stay home from work that next day after they had had that party the day that they moved in. Maybe, but they she wanted to unpack and kind of get a start on you know kind of you know moving into their house. And then Mark left for work around eleven thirty a.m., which is kind of late. But he worked construction, so they were he was going to the construction site to go to work. He then came home from work around 5.30 that night, which was about six hours later, and he would never imagine what he would find. One of his friends from the site came home with him. His name was Tom, to help with some of the moving, you know, moving some of the furniture around just to kind of help out. And when they got there, the front door was slightly open. Okay. This annoyed Mark a little bit because he had told Carla how important it was to him about keeping things secure and safe. So he's a little, you know, annoyed right when he got home. So he proceeded to go inside and call out Carla's name, but she didn't answer. He then started to go down into the basement because that's where a lot of the boxes were. You know, you move in, you kind of like take things downstairs just so they're not all in the way. And then he finds blood on the stairs. Oh, boy. He goes down there and he finds couch cushions kind of like disheveled off the couch, like moved around Mm -hmm. and thrown about. And then he sees a trail of blood and then Carla's lifeless body. She was nude from the waist down with a sweater kind of draped on top of her. Her face and upper body were hunched over into a large tub of water. Her hands were tied behind her back with an electrical cord, and she had two men's socks tied around her neck so tightly that they had to be cut off. Oh, my God. Immediately, Mark pulled her from the water, and Tom ran upstairs to call 911, but it was too late. Oh, Carla was dead at the age of 22. Oh, that's so sad. Mark was horrified. Like I said, this was only the second day in their new house together. And now the woman that he had been with for five years was dead on June 21st, 1978. That's some fucked up shit. Yes. Can you imagine? Like you just move into this brand new house, going to work the first day. I don't leaving your fiance. Yeah. Okay, see you later, honey. We'll yeah. unpack. You know, we'll get you come home. She's just no, I can't and, even. And like coming into like that. That's awful. Awful. 
So the police arrive and start questioning Mark and Tom about what they found. One of the first people on the scene was Alva Bush. He noticed a few things that seemed off immediately, like the two sacks that were tied around her neck. Alva Bush. Alva Bush. Seventies. The name. The best freaking name. Alva Bush. The names, right? Oh, I love that. We need to write these down so I can remind me myself to, to name pets these names. Alva. Okay, we're gonna get a goldfish Alva and Bush. we're gonna name yeah. it Alva Bush. Alva Bush. So Sorry. some things that were off, right? Yep. So the two sacks that were tied around her neck, they were tied too neatly and nicely for it to be done during a struggle. So he immediately decided that, you know, this had to be done after the fact because they were just tied too nicely. It wasn't like messy, like if you were trying to like actually strangle someone, right? Also, the hands behind her back that were tied with an electrical cord were tied very loosely, almost like it was looked like it was supposed to be posed and not actually to keep her restrained. Like she would have been able to get out of that if she was being tied up. Right. And then the sweater that was on her, too, was strange because it was June and it was a winter sweater, which to me, like, that's like, if you're in the basement, it could be cool. So I, that one, I was kind of like, okay, but, and also they had mentioned that just like the top button was buttoned. And if there was a struggle, that probably would have unbuttoned, too. So there was that. Uh, Where the struggle happened in the next room by the sofa, there were some wet spots and blood. Almost like someone had tried to clean up the area, but had not done a very good job. This told investigators that the murder, or at least most of the struggle, probably happened here and that she was moved and staged in the other room. That meant that whoever did this spent a good amount of time in the house after the murder between the cleaning and staging the crime as well. Okay. There was also no signs of a break-in, so whoever came into the house was let in or the door was left unlocked at some point during the day. The autopsy in 1978 concluded that Carla had a fractured jaw, two large lacerations to her forehead from an unknown source, and severe bruising around the neck and no significant water in the lungs, so the cause of death was homicide by strangulation. They suspected a sexual assault did happen, but it wasn't confirmed at the time. They did take scrapings from under her nails for DNA, but back then they didn't test for DNA. There just wasn't that kind of, you know, they didn't have that kind of capabilities back then. Back then, but good for them for taking it at least. Yeah. Thumbs up, gold star is what I said. So many cases, cold cases have been cracked. Right. Since because of that. I know. So, so, I mean, at least they had that mindset to actually yeah. take that evidence. Yeah. Isn't that how they ended up catching the Golden, Golden State, State Killer? Yeah. yeah. That's what I thought. Okay. Because, yeah. They were eventually were able to test his DNA, and then yep. that's how they tracked him down. Wasn't it from a cop or something? Yeah. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yep. So, okay. so, and then the last time someone spoke to her was after um, Mark had gone to work, too. She was on the phone, and while she was on the phone... She said that she had to go because there was someone at the door, and then she hung up the phone. So once she did that, there were other phone calls that came into the house that day, but she no one ever answered. Answer. Okay. So they were able to put her time of death around noon. Okay. They pretty much concluded. Ooh, okay. So it wasn't long so after like maybe Mark somebody went was to... watching to see Mark leave? Exactly. Mm. So two witnesses also saw her talking to a man outside her house around... Um, after, 
you know, around that time after Mark had left. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't long after Mark had left. They didn't have an exact time, but it was around that time. Interesting. Okay. Um, but so there was that. And that was actually a grandma who was driving. So she used to live mm -hmm. in that house, actually. Oh. So she was taking her grandson to the dentist. And, you know, as, you're like, oh, we're in the area. Let's oh, go by, yeah, drive by the house time. where you yeah. used to live. Where I used to live. So yeah. they were driving by and they saw Carla outside talking to a man and it almost seemed like they were arguing oh. in the driveway. And then they kept driving by and they thought it was a little odd, right? Yeah. But, you know, you don't really think much of it, right? They no. didn't know anything was going to happen, obviously, oh, yeah. but you take note of it, yeah. maybe. So they remember that happening, but they didn't know the exact time of it. So, right. but it was, you know, between... 11.30 and sometime around 12.30. Okay. So it was time to come up with some suspects. Of course, the number one suspect always is... The husband. The husband or boyfriend. So, of course, Mark was looked into. Thankfully, though, he had a solid alibi. He was at work the entire day with plenty of people seeing him at the construction site, which was 20 miles away. It wasn't him. Okay. He was ruled out quickly. Good. So even though... Her murder took place noon-ish or so. You know, yeah. they don't have an exact time of murder. Yeah. Um, he, he was there all day. He got there to the construction site. He was clocked in. Like, he was there. Yeah. Like, it wasn't him at all. And he, I mean, I know people, you know, reactions, people can fake a lot of stuff. But he was completely devastated. Oh, I'm sure, yeah. So, it, it I'm I'm gonna tell you now. It wasn't him. Okay. There's not gonna be some kind of weird twist here. Well, good. Then I it feel wasn't bad Mark. For him. Feel bad for Mark. He lost her. They love he. They loved each other very much, and they had they had broken up a few times within the five years. But you know, people do that. It was you a young. To. It was a young relationship. Yeah. She was only 22. Oh, I mean, yeah. you got they, it. You I mean, it. if you do the math, they started dating when she was 17. Yeah. Which, uh -uh. Uh -oh. but I mean, it worked out right. Yeah. So. Maybe she was an old 17. Maybe she was just turning an 17. 17. An old 17. Maybe she was just turning 17. <laughs> I like, didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> I don't know. But anyways, I digress. So <laughs> either way, it wasn't Mark. So I'm just going to tell you that right now. So, so then they went around asking neighbors. Someone had to hear something, right? It was the middle of the day. Right. Right. It, this is a nice neighborhood, like a, a good neighborhood. It's not like sketchy like it's this like is milwaukee it's not this isn't a milwaukee neighborhood <laughs> right so someone had to hear something at the house right next door to carla and mark at eight nine eight nine acton avenue lived a man named paul main and he said he was just on his porch most of the afternoon with his friend john P pranty drinking and smoking some weed and that they didn't see or hear anything which i love that they just told the cops ah we're just yeah, getting high. drinking getting high i don't no know deal. i don't know nothing right so oop, oh. boop. i didn't see nothing so they're like all right these guys are whatever you know they're like anyways <laughs> it me of like uh, dude where's my car those exactly kind of people. oh yeah. these are definitely those people if you see pictures of them like, so okay. they're like whatever so then please um you know, they kind of looked a little bit more into the woman that drove by, that tip that they got, that they saw someone in the driveway. So they kind of took note of that. But they didn't really have a whole lot to go on with that. They just kind of took note that, yeah. you know, the description that it was a white male, you know, kind of medium build, kind of looked a little scruffy, okay. which 
it's the 70s. They all were scruffy. They kind of look a lot. A lot of people look that way. So they're, that they're didn't really help too much. like a porn star. Exactly. So, you know, it didn't really help too much. So next they talked to a man named Jack Myers. He was someone that was in like Carla and um, Mark's friend group. And Jack was a man that always had a crush on Carla and liked her. But she had always turned him down. Well, yeah, she's taken. Right. But, you know. But he didn't like it. But guys don't care about that sometimes. They, don't. they just don't care. They just want to get some. They just want some. And she she was a girl that guys just try to get some from. Well, like she, I mean, when you see well, a picture of her, she yeah. she's well, a very attractive get, girl. Okay, and I'm not saying that it's because I'm attractive or whatever, but I have one of them flirty personalities. Right. And she so had that kind where, of personality. Yeah. So I get it where you like are your flirty personality and then there's a, you can sense yeah. When the, the guy is, like, starting to get into you. And it's funny because I'm always like, shit, I did it again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so. and I mean, in that, I mean, I, I have a feeling that she was like that. And I mean, I'm sure that she never meant no, for I it. No, See, I don't yep. mean to do it either. Right. So. I mean, which is funny because then when I do like a dude, I try to, I do try to flirt. And then it just doesn't. And it's just a disaster. You're like, oh, crap. But when I don't want them, apparently my flirting is on point. You're like, so So you like breathing too? Yeah. So you, do you like oxygen? Look Me what I too. Can do. Like it's just yeah. fucking right. bad. Yeah. So they looked into Jack. He also had some history of violence against women. Oh. So that, you know, put him a little bit higher on the list. But you know what? He passed a polygraph test. So he was let go. That's a ridiculous reason. To but remember, it's the 70s. Okay. They put a lot of faith in polygraph tests back then because they didn't have DNA. They didn't have a lot of things. So they really put yeah. a lot into polygraph tests, unfortunately, still. Yeah. So um, they still held a lot of weight. So Jack was kind of let off the hook there. Okay. So another person they looked at was Papa Joe. Who that? What? So Joe, Joe was actually uh, Carla's ex stepfather. Okay. So he used to be married to her mother. Okay. And no one liked this guy. He was an asshole. That relationship did not last long with their mother. He was mean, and some of Carla's friends felt very uncomfortable around him, and so that he even made inappropriate advances at them Ooh. when they slept over at Carla's Ooh. house when they were younger. But he had an alibi. There was no evidence to link him to the murder, so he was let off. Papa Joe's just a skis. Papa Joe's just a creepy old man. <laughs> so then, what? yeah. Why do they call him Papa Joe? In in the or show I that... watched, that's just what they called him, Papa Joe. I just don't like that. Like, if he's I skeezy, I don't want to be calling him Papa Joe. We could just call him Joe. That's okay. fine. <laughs> but I put it in here as Papa Joe. That's what I did in my notes. Papa Joe. <laughs> That's great. Okay. So that's what the sisters called him. Great. So, um, then police decided to take a look at Paul and John again, the neighbors. Okay. Because. Oh, the, the, the dude wears my car dudes? The dudes. Okay. The dudes. We're going to call him, them the dudes. Yeah. They couldn't understand if they were sitting outside on their porch in direct sight of Carla and Mark's house, how they couldn't have seen or heard anything. Like, right. you're right there. Right. How did no- you, nothing happen that you could have seen? Yeah. But John passed a polygraph test. Uh, but uh, Paul was so upset and rattled during his test that the examiner couldn't offer an opinion if he was truthful or not. Okay. Again, that wasn't enough evidence, though, to really do anything, and you know, for sure. Yeah. You know, so unfortunately... 
So another dead end. A dead end. Okay. Exactly. So while this murder happened, while other sex crimes in the area and a serial rapist was actually going around, not necessarily right in that neighborhood, but within other surrounding communities, um, committing crimes. So I think on the show I was watching, there was like 14 other like break-ins and rapes happening. I'm trying to think, is this around the same time that John Wayne Gacy was doing his shit too? I can't remember, but I think so. I think it is. 70, so it's like, yeah. 78? Yeah. Yeah. So I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it is. But it just made me think, I'm like, God, there must have been so much of that shit going around. Well, because, and there was. God, what a time to be alive. Gosh. I, it's scary. Then you so, got Bundy was going on at that yep, time, too. And he yep. was all over the damn place. Yep. Oh, I know. Shit. So another break-in did happen after Carla's murder, too, not too far from their home, and the woman was sexually assaulted but not murdered. Okay. And they caught the man who did this. His name was Tony Garza. Tony said he had nothing to do with Carla's murder to the police, but then when he was in prison to his cellmates, he told them that he was the one who killed Carla. Oh. Police were hopeful that maybe that they actually had the person then. But unfortunately, Tony's description of the crime scene was all wrong. So it was just someone trying to get, like, clout oh, oh, in yeah. prison. So Yeah, because that's always worked out so well for yeah, people. Yeah, right. So he described the crime scene, you oh, know, it, it wasn't what actually yeah. was there. And, you know, so he was just kind of trying to get a little cred while in prison. You know, nice, you Tony. know how that goes. Nice, Tony. So, unfortunately, so this case got shelled and became cold until 1980. Okay. So not for too long. Um, but still, what an awful time for, like, Mark. Mark and then and, her and, sisters yep, and her mother. Yep, right. just awful. So then Don Weber was appointed um, the state's attorney in the county, and he reopened the case. Good. Good job, Mr. Weber. The first thing he did was march down and grab that case and said, we are solving this. Oh, I love that. Now, did he have a reason behind it? Or So the case had haunted him ever since it had happened and that it wasn't solved. He said that, that Carla reminded him of someone from his school that was a cheerleader, too, and yeah. that he just could, he couldn't get the case off his I mind. I love it when that happens because so, then you know you yep, have somebody in your corner. That it just haunted him. Okay. So without Don, her case may have never been solved, honestly. Well, awesome. You know what I mean? Like even, but her mother and sisters would come down and ask the Wood River Police Department every few months if there yep. was any new news, yep. but there just never was. So yep. they were, you know, asking the police department, but Don was the one that really got things rolling Good. again. So I'm very thankful for Don that he did that. So Web- Don Weber got together a task force to help solve the murder. The case always stuck with Elva Bush, too. Elva Bush. On Elva one Bush. unrelated business trip, not, you know, related to this case at all, he met with Dr. Homer Campbell, who looked at photographs of Carla. So Elva... I think he just, you know, I think that some of these people just kind of keep some of these cases with well, them. Well, so back in the day, and I don't know how it is now. Actually, I mean, I kind of do, but I don't want to say. Um, they always brought their case yeah. files home with them. So, right. Because they would work nonstop right. on the so, clock. And, and I mean, even though this case yeah. was, you know, cold. Yeah. I think he probably still worked it just in case yeah. anything well, because, would trigger. Yeah, I mean, if you're still listed as the detective on the case, I mean, they these detectives, you know, they have multiple cases or yeah. whatever. But, yeah, I mean, right. that's the problem. That's why I don't think I would ever last as a police officer because I feel like I would never sleep. I would just be thinking about these cases yeah. all the time. It would be so hard. So, so he uh, 
had Homer Campbell look at photographs from Carla's crime scene and the autopsy, and he was able to use new technology to enhance those photographs, and he made a discovery that no one had seen before. While looking through the photographs, he asked about the bite marks that were on Carla. And Alva Bush was shocked because they had never seen these bite marks before. But Carla had bite marks on her. Oh, my goodness. So this was a pretty big discovery. Campbell pointed out the bruising on her collarbone area and said that that was actually a distinct bite mark. And this was brand new information that could help blow this case wide open. Forensic dentistry was a new thing, and it was key in a little-known case at the time. I'm not sure if you'd ever heard of Ted Bundy. Yep. So this was a brand new, like, so forensic dentistry. So this was another case that this came into play Isn't it funny how I brought up Ted Bundy earlier? Oh, my God, I love it when this happens. So, yeah, it is. And you're just, like, over there, you're like, I know, I'm I'm like, (laughs) you just wait, girl. Girl, you wait. So... So, yeah. So, also, real quick, I do think I saw this on Forensic Files. Not the whole story, but everything you just said about the bite mark and everything, it's like coming back to me now. I think I I caught the end of it. Yeah. When you just turn the TV on quick and it's like, yeah, and it's like kind of like the end of the case. Yeah. That's, yeah, I I think so. Because now the sweater over her thing and the the pictures they were showing, it's all coming back to me now. Right. Celine Dion. Go. Go. They also contacted a man. I don't know if you ever heard of a guy named John Douglas who was the FBI profiler. So, um, I mean, I don't know him personally. Right. So at the time, um, his work wasn't as known and, and as respected as it is now, but he gave such a great profile of who this killer was, and he was, like, dead on. So I'd love to do a deep dive into John Douglas sometime. Um, okay. Throughout his – so just a little – tidbit about John Douglas, if people don't know who he is. So throughout his time at the FBI, he interviewed um, criminals like Charles Manson, Ted Bundy, and John Wayne Gacy to better understand the psychological profiles of the average serial killer. And in his time in law enforcement, he helped solve over 5,000 cases in his 48-year career. Does he have a book? Oh, yeah. Okay. And the the show Mindhunter on Netflix is, like, based on him. I think I've read the book. So he's the one that came up with, like, FBI, like, profiling. Yeah. So I think I own that book. Oh, yeah. At least one of them. Yes. has more than one, but. So it's fascinating. So if you've never watched the show Mindhunter on Netflix, it's a great show. Um, I think I They unfortunately only did two seasons of it. I don't think they they did a third, but it's a great show. The performances in it are amazing. So. So this is what Douglas said of the killer, his okay. profile. So he talked, he looked at the case, and he's like, okay, this is who you're looking for. Okay, I love this. Okay. Douglas said that the killer was a white male, age 25 to 30 at the time. Okay. Living one to two houses away or just oh, visiting. God. Driving a beat-up car that was red or orange in color and was probably a Volkswagen. He's a loser with women and got rejected a lot and didn't like that. And if you showed that you were opening up the case again, he would probably call to say that he had information, but that he was just a witness and that he didn't have anything to do with it, though. Was it one of the dudes? I don't know. With the new information and the dental bike marks, they were able to exhume Carla's body with the permission from Carla's family in June of 1982. Okay. They were able to confirm that the bite marks on her body 
were there and they actually ended up changing the cause of death saying that she was still alive when she was put into the tub of water but then why wasn't it in her lungs or did they not do a good enough autopsy? they didn't do a good enough autopsy well they didn't find the bite marks either think about that so they were also able to determine for sure that she was sexually assaulted okay so which kind of kind of went without saying yeah with all this information, they felt strongly, uh, felt strongly with John's profile that they should bring bra- back in the neighbors, Paul and John. Yeah. Yeah. First, they brought in Paul, who was the person that lived at the house next door. So John was just the guy that was the friends with the, Paul. One of the dudes. Th- these are the dudes. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. So Paul was the one that owned the house, okay. though, next door. Okay. The neighbor. The neighbor. So they brought in Paul, and while they were questioning him, John called saying he was a witness next door, but he didn't have anything to do oh, with it. Oh, look at that. Just Whoa. out of the blue, he called. Just like John Douglas said the killer would do. Oh, gosh. Looking, then they looked into the car that John had back when Carla was murdered as well, and guess what? It was an old, red, beat-up car. Holy moly. How how would someone I, I don't know. How would someone do that? And when they took bite mark impressions from Paul, John, and another suspect that they had yeah. and examined all three, guess who was a match between all three of them? John. Oh my god. John Ranty. John was the one that did pass the polygraph. Yep. How about that? Yep. What a piece. Yep. Multiple friends of Paul and John's also came forward after seeing some of the news coverage on the investigation. They told detectives that a few days after the murder, John told all of the friends that they that he thought he was a suspect because he was just next door and that he had seen Carla's body, described that she'd been bitten on the collarbone, that he told his friends that he found some water. That he found, you know, yeah, that she was found in yeah. some water. So he knew details about the case. He knew details about the case that was never publicized. Oh, that's interesting. But um, the problem was not even the police knew that Carla had been bitten in 1978. Right. Oh, that is so interesting. Only the killer could have known that detail. John knew um, these details that literally the killer only knew. So And then he was going around telling these details. So this was all enough evidence to arrest John. And Paul was also arrested for obstruction of justice. Oh, so Paul knew he had done this. I mean, I, there were, he... I mean, they arrested him for okay, obstruction yeah. of justice. I, just saying, I, just I don't know. So Paul said that previous to the time of murder, Pranti told me that he knew the girl next door as he went to school with her. Pranti said, stated that he wished to have sex with that girl. Um, huh. Paul also stated that he knew that Mark worked days and Carly would be home alone and that she was not married. Paul said that the day of the murder, John left his house early in the afternoon, but then came back and came out of the house when police were at the murder scene. That he appeared to be flushed and out of the wind, out of wind as if he had been running. I noticed that his face was wet and that the front of his t-shirt was wet as if water had been splashed on it, Paul said. Mm. John said that he had just gotten back from a local laundromat. Then Paul said that John talked about leaving the area for a bit, but wouldn't say why. Paul then said in his statement to police that he felt John was responsible for killing so Carla would, Brown. So then why would Paul get arrested for obstruction if he didn't know? I think because he knew all of the, he knew this for years. Oh, I see. 
Yeah. I keep forgetting that this was. This was four years case. later. Oh, right. Okay. Yep. So this was four years Holy later. Holy moly. So he knew all of this information. And I that's why at the polygraph test. Oh, he freaked out. And he freaked out. Got it. So I think that. Wow. That's interesting. Yes. So. I mean, that is a tough call. You know, I mean, he didn't know for sure. Didn't know for sure, and he didn't want to. Did you really want to rock that boat? Did you? Right. I. That's a tough. Call. Right. So, an ex-girlfriend of John's also came forward and said that he had a problem with impotence and rejection, and didn't have, and he did have a violent and explosive temper too, and that he had actually bit her on the shoulder before during a sexual encounter. Yeah. John maintained his innocence and said that he had a poor memory of that day, but many people could put him next door to Carla's house and that he fit the description to the T of that grandma driving by with her grandson, too. Because if you look yep. at a picture of him, yep. he has this, like, short, scruffy hair, the mustache. Yep. He had, like, on a trucker hat. Like, he just looks mm. scruffy. Yeah. He's a scruffy-looking guy. Look, you'll see. I'll, when I, yeah. yeah, you'll see. You look him up. So then in July of 1983, John Pranti went on trial for, for the murder of Carla Brown. He did have his own expert witness to contradict the prosecution's bite mark experts. He was convicted of first-degree murder. Now bite marks are a bit more controversial, though. Yeah. But back then, they were yeah. kind of you. They were given more cred, I guess. Well, and there's a lot more evidence against him now than there was just the bite mark. You know, and also... Uh, even if the bite mark was to get thrown out, mm-hmm. what about the fact that he was talking about the bite mark before any of this came out? Right, there's that. So, and assistant public defender Neil Hawkins told the jury that he believes that John's friends said that they heard stories of John talking about the crime scene, even the bite marks, that they actually got that information from newspaper stories and other media they heard covering the case, and that they were confused, and John actually never said any of that because oh. it was years later and that oh. they had exhumed the body and talked okay. about it so interesting interesting but i don't know why friends would say that though i know why would friends, why would friends be, say that why would friends say that yeah so i don't know uh but john gave an 11 minute statement to proclaiming his innocence and gave his sympathy to carla's family and stood quietly as he was sentenced to 75 years in prison even though he did face the death penalty Carla Brown's case is one of the first in Illinois history to use criminal profiling, bite mark evidence, and photo enhancement. Okay. It was only the third or fourth nationally to use bite mark evidence following the convictions of Ted Bundy. Mm, okay. So that's interesting. Okay. I do think that the punishment fit the crime for this one. I, I am, You'll be disappointed I... then. Of course, John maintained his oh. innocence and attempted several times to appeal his conviction and sentencing. I'm so sorry. <laughs> then in December of 2019, after serving just 36 years for Carla's brutal murder, he was granted parole. Who the fuck let him out? While in prison, Pranti's attorneys were able to get permission to do DNA testing with the evidence from under Carla's fingernails. The DNA, however, was too degraded for testing. So John Pranti is still alive and living in Illinois today. Fucking Illinois! I like how you said that. I'm like, you're going to be so sad. I can't believe this. He murdered her. I mean, and the reason I was going to say that, I didn't, because I do, I am in favor of the death penalty. Right. But I always say that if the, if there's, if, if it was a definite, you 100% did this. And I mean, this. I I 100% think he did it. I do too. But, but the evidence 
isn't super duper strong. Right. As in the bite mark matches, yeah. but they tested three people only. Right. Um, I mean, it was right there. I mean, everything. Everything matches up. But, I mean, unfortunately, they don't have strong DNA tests. Right. They don't yeah. have the DNA. And it's too late to do it. Yeah. Oh, my God. That makes me so angry that they let him out. What the fuck? Yeah. What is wrong so with he's parole boards? So he's like, out. You got people in behind bars on marijuana charges, but you let out fucking murderers? Yeah. How old is this dude? Is he, like, geriatric? He's, like, he's like in his 70s. Okay. Well, he's going to die. Yeah. So he's in his 70s. Oh, that makes me so angry. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell. So, so yeah, so that's the sad case. I, I'll talk about the house, but that's the yeah, case for Carla. That's so awful. 22 yeah, 22 years old. And she was... All because of some dude not being able to get it up. Exactly. Fuck him. He wanted to have sex with her, Good, and I hope she he got, said no. I hope he got all the sex he wanted in, in, when he was behind bars. I hope he did, too. I, uh, like I said, I think he did it. I don't think he should have gotten out. I don't think that they're... The evidence... Was super duper strong. I love that profiling, though. Yeah, that was spot oh, on. Spot on. I love FBI <laughs> profiling. I'm so into it. That's I'm gonna so get you, awesome. I'm going to let you read my book then because yeah. I know I have that book at home. I know. So, I, like, I think it'd be fun to talk a little bit about John Douglas and, like, how yeah. that all came about and, like. You know what? I'll call and him all of his, and have him on our oh, show. That'd be great. Yeah. Um, but, like, all his interviews he's done. Like, oh, he's yeah. done all of the, like, big people. Yeah. Like, it's really cool. That'd be cool just to, like, sit in his presence. I'll just call him up and be like, hey, do you want to come into our podcast tent? Yeah. Yeah, it's so cool. We might have- he just, yeah, he's like, um, I don't think so, <laughs> we guys. We have to put it back together, but. I don't think, yeah, he's pretty old, but he's still alive. Good. So good for him. So the house. Good for him. Good for him. The murder happened at 979 East Acton Road, Wood River, Illinois. It's a two-bed, two-bath home that's about 1,100 square feet that was built in 1936. It's currently off the market right now, but it was last sold July 15th, 2022 for about $103,000. So not very much. When was that? 2022. $103,000? mm hmm Either a bad neighborhood or that murder is playing a factor yeah. in that sale. And then in before that was t- sold in 2002 for 57000 What the heck? Yeah. Yep. Huh. I'm interested to find out. Like I ain't lying. No. Well, I didn't think you were. I know. Wait, are you on Redfin? Or what is that? Realtor. Okay. Can you look up, scroll down, and see if they have the neighborhood rating on there? I wonder if it's a bad area now. Well, I mean... In general, it seemed like a bad area because she was murdered in her own home. Yeah. It doesn't say anything. That's interesting. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, as realtors, we can't necessarily say if an area is a bad area or not. But I mean, all the other houses around it. I think they're just small houses, too. I know, but like, for example. They're all like two-bed, one-bed. Yeah, but I live in a two-bedroom, one-bath in Milwaukee, okay? And my home is valued around two fifty. So, but I mean, yeah, here's the oh, it's cute. Oh, that's a cute house. Oh, that poor girl. I bet you they were just so excited back yeah. in the day, too, when they bought that. Yeah, what a shame. I know. So, she, yeah, that's well, a sad story of Carla. Story. And I hope that Mark I know I was hope able Mark... to move on and find love again and yeah. stuff, and that he had a family. And I didn't really look life. too much into that yeah. or anything. Well, a lot but... of times you don't want to bother the people no. that have to live with this, but I mean, in the but. Um, A Body in the Basement is a really good show if you guys are looking for a new show. Yeah. And there is a book about 
this murder too oh, if you great. want to read more about it. it it's interesting because it used uh, the photo enhance enhancements the fbi profiling that dental you know so there's yeah. a lot of like kind of um new for their time kind of things that this case had which was pretty interesting what so what was the murderer's full name again the murderer is john pranty john pranty j-o-h-n j-o H-N. Yeah, I know how to spell John. Yeah, Pranty. How do you spell the last name? P-R-A-N-T-E. P-A-R-A-N-T-E. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, just giving a little look. Huh? I'm looking to see. Oh, yeah. 77. Yeah. He actually lives in Georgia now. Oh, did he? Oh. Mm-hmm. He moved. That's probably a good idea. He's moved a lot. Yeah, I makes yeah, sense. Yeah, he's been in, in Georgia. Since he got out. That's what it looks like. God, what a douche. Yeah. Wait a second. Are we sure that's the right guy? Are you not finding the right guy? Well, here's the thing. There's no murder charge on here. Oh. But it's the only guy that shows up under that name. Maybe the, he changed his name. I wonder if his records were sealed. So I recently learned about this, that if there was question in your case, your records can be sealed after you're released. Oh. I'm like, well, this is the right guy's name. I know that. Um yeah. So, yeah, I mean, maybe they sealed his records. Stupid. Because, um, yeah, they're still looking into, like, trying to clear his name and stuff. Maybe that's what it is. So. But anyway, well. Yeah. Either way, in his 70s, free, and he shouldn't be. That's yeah. great. So. So, right. yeah. Well, thanks, Molly. That was a yeah. fun case. Not thanks. fun. Not Thank fun. Thank you. But, um, and, uh, all right. Well, you guys. Thanks for listening and always being such loyal listeners. Yeah. Uh, be sure to check out our Instagram and our Facebook group. We've just gotten a bunch of new members, so it's awesome to see you guys join us. If you listen yeah. to the show, join our Facebook group. We yep, great... and share it with your friends yeah. and family. Yep. So it's uh, just Home is Where the Murder Is. Check out our website, homeiswherethemurderis.com. You can email us cases at homeiswherethemurderis at gmail.com. We have a list that we're working through. Oh, yeah. And then sometimes we watch a show and we get real inspired and want oh, to do it. I just thought this was a yeah. really interesting one. I just got a, a new case from somebody that I was in the middle of working on one, and that came through, and I started working on that again. Yeah. And then I realized there was way too much into it, so then I had to stop and yep. go back to yep. another one. But it happens. I told Molly the other day I have serial killer ADHD. You so. do. And I'm very different where, like, I work on a case and I work straight through it. So yeah. we're very different people very different, in that sense. But it's super funny because I'm always like, oh, it's fine. I'll just, I'll just finish one of these. And then I start working on it, and then all of a sudden I'm – just can't finish yep. it. So I have like about 13, I'd say, half-finished cases. Yep, and I just work on one and work on that one. So, so very different. Yeah, but that's what makes us so awesome. Aww. Anyway, well, you guys have a great rest of your week. Thank you for listening. We appreciate you. We sure do. Bye.